welcome to Edge of Play, podcast number four. I'm joined as usual by James Stokes and Stuart Montague. And today we thought we'd talk about the rules being implemented in the 2019-2020 season and go over those, see what we think about them, discuss the potential issues there might be, how it might affect the game. Well, as always, we'll try and link that back to the grassroots game and, and see how that might be different than the pro game, if we can. So... We're going to go through each of these changes one by one. The first one uh, that I've got down here is to do with laws eight and nine, and it's the drop ball. Uh, so if plays stop now inside the penalty area, um, the ball is dropped for the goalkeeper now. The goalkeeper just gets to have the ball. But otherwise, the ball is dropped for the player of the team that last touched the ball at the point of the last touch. That's the actual rule of it. And all of the players now have to be at least four metres away from that so there'd be no opposed drop ball which has never really worked has it no, <laughs> i've never no, known no. that worked very well it's always been messy he wants to kick off on that one what do you think about it uh i'll go i'll jump in first then i think it's uh pretty common sense to be honest uh, i think sometimes these rule changes and we'll get onto some of the other ones that are a little bit less common sense but just seems quite common sense it cuts out any issues where you're going to get confrontations where people think they should have been giving the ball back in a certain position or if teams want to be awkward, they go kicking the ball out in the corner and they give you a throw in in your own corner and things like that. So it feels like it's a, it's quite a common sense one. Should take a lot of confrontation out of the game. Although it is a little bit sad that we won't get to see the an old school drop ball where yeah. two players just thrash wildly as the ball gets dropped. That was always quite entertaining. Do you know, when Jack was going through it, all I had in my head was Keenan Vieira. Keenan Vieira tackling for a drop ball in there. Yeah. We won't see that ever again. It was always so messy, wasn't it? A drop that kind of drop ball that it almost became a gentlemanly thing to say, oh, right, they can keep back to us. Yeah. When it, it was it used to be opposed all the time, I remember it was always opposed. But I did refereeing as well, and it was so difficult because you've got your whistle and you've got the ball, and you're trying to drop it, and they're both hacking at it. So in the end, you'd, th- you'd throw the ball down, so it definitely bounced. <laughs> they would then both air kick, and you'd run backwards. <laughs> <and play. laughs> so, for a referee, it was difficult. <laughs> so are we feeling generally. What do you think, James? Are you feeling like like Stu is uh, that it's probably a positive thing, a common sense thing to have unopposed drop balls taken away. Yeah, the, as you said, the only negative is the nostalgia part of it, which you'll miss the confrontation, I think, sometimes. There was almost uh, an expectation in the crowd, wasn't it, when you set two people in front of each other and you were going to drop the ball. There's that excitement building up to it. Who's going to, uh, yeah. who's going to as you said, air kick first? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it seems a sensible rule to implement. At our level still, when someone does a drop ball and does that, that is one of the few moments we do clap each other, don't we? <laughs> You'll say, oh yeah, very nice, very nice, yeah, well done, yeah. well done, so no need anymore. Um, so is the rule you can, I imagine someone's going to stand four metres away ready to charge, is the rule that ball's in play when it touches the floor? Or yeah, it must be, it must be. Because at first time, my first thought was like, well, you might as well have a free kick, but then you can't take a free kick to yourself. So the whole, yeah, as soon as the ball hits that ground, it's live, isn't it? So yeah, it still won't be dead easy. Yeah, someone's four metres away yeah. and they're ready to attack. Yeah. They'll be two <laughs> metres away by the time the ball hits the floor, won't they? That's right, oh, yeah. 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 Next one, free kicks. This one is interesting. I know you've got some interesting stuff to say. Uh, when there's a wall of three or more defenders now, the attackers are not allowed within one metre of the wall. I'll, I'll go first then, shall I? Because I was saying I saw something really interesting. I think it, it's a really good rule because you don't want people pushing the wall. It becomes messy and then it's... I was stood here first, he can't push me. and It's hard to referee, really, isn't it? But I did see something interesting where someone had designed um, 
they designed a system to try and make sure that you couldn't get any attackers in the area. So because you've got, you can't stand within one meter of the wall, you can set three players up and then you could have a 1.9 meter gap, set another three players up, 1.9 meter gap, set another three players up. You covered quite a lot of the area there really that no one could stand in. <laughs> so fully expect someone, some terrible cynical manager to try that next season. Such a sad situation. <laughs> Such a sad situation, isn't it? When a new rule comes out and everybody immediately goes, right, how can we take advantage of this rule? Yeah. You imagine like Sam Allardyce's phone is off the hook for consultancy jobs. <laughs> Sam, we need your help with this. Yes, there's a new rule coming in. We need to know how to exploit it to its full. Yeah, definitely. I think the keepers will be happy with that as well, won't yeah. they? Because that gets in their eyesight, so that's going to help the keepers out, I suppose. Okay, so we'd say on that one, makes sense. Would we agree on that one? Yeah, I think that should work out. Next one then, goal celebrations. A yellow card will be awarded for an illegal celebration, removing the shirt, even if the goal was disallowed. <laughs> so basically, don't take your shirt off is the rule, which is already there, and they've just added a bit. What do we think about that rule anyway? Because I do always find it a bit farcical. It's a nonsense, isn't it? Yeah. They try and make out that it's like, because it, you know, it could cause Insights. crowd problems. And it's, yeah. they just want, the sponsors want the, they want their name there sure. when the photos are taken of the goal scorer, don't they? Is it's, that what it is? I think so. I think so. That would make sense. It's yeah. mostly sponsorship for me. I think so. They want a goal scorer. It's a big photo moment. You want the sponsor there, don't you? <laughs> That's what it feels like to me. It's, it makes me laugh as well, just the help that, the idea of the faux kind of, disgust and offence that you might cause by a human body being seen <laughs> when you have swimming where they have just drunk on <laughs> no one's complaining yeah. about that it's just <laughs> it's such a bizarre idea that we're offended by the upper torso fine don't play naked I can understand there's arguments there for not doing that goal kicks and this one is interesting uh, the ball is in play once the kick is taken it can be played before leaving the penalty area by the team in possession, but the opponents must remain outside the area until the ball is in play. And that can is also linked in with the a free kick. So if you have a free kick in your own area, it doesn't have to leave the area now, you yeah. can pass to someone within it. Okay, what do we think about that one? So I think that's been brought in mainly because teams are cheating and playing out from the back from a goal kick when you can yeah. just step inside your box and it has to be retaken. There was nothing to to stop. And it, it caused so much frustration being able to do that. To me, it's going to be almost like a retreat line. For the junior football, you are just telling players they have to stand at a certain level away, but everybody else can be as close as they want. I think the upside to it could be, because we were just saying before, uh, me and Stu, about the, how we use it with Govan. Yeah. Because we like to use that play out from the bat, don't we? And it won't do any harm at all to the team possession if you use it well. It'll keep the game flowing more. And also, if you keep us struggling, you've now got, you can come two yards closer to him and receive it in a certain way to then play out. You don't have to have a 20-yard angled pass to your centre-back anymore. So I think it'll make it easy for them, but what will be interesting is how does the attacking team, uh, sorry, the defending team, is there any way this can be manipulated now by them? I think you struggle. I was, uh, as you say, we were chatting before, I think it's interesting at our level because you are probably more likely to get keepers that are limited in possession, more limited in possession at our level. Mm. So I think given the amount of stoppages you get with goal kicks, if you've now Almost you can place a value now on having a centre back who can who can play the ball, who can distribute it well, because your centre half can just come in, he can just stand right next to the goalkeeper, and if they want to press it, well then he'll just pick out that he'll pick out your full back on the halfway line or he'll pick out centre mid. So I think it makes it harder to press, even though it makes it more obvious what you're gonna do. I think if you've got someone who's comfortable, a centre half who's comfortable, you know, like the lads we've got, we've got 
a couple <coughs> of lads who can play well from the back. Mm. And you think, well, it's just, they, they can just pick a long pass. If you, if you want to keep pushing on top, they'll pick a long pass. You're asking them to play from a much more dangerous area though, aren't you? I know it's only 18 yards, but you're asking them to play from right in front of the goal line rather than on the edge of the box. Uh, I would. The benefit is they're already facing forward. Probably. I would. I would argue if it is more dangerous. If you're if you're stood on the byline, but you're sort of twelve yards over at a really tight angle, is that any less? Is it any less dangerous to lose it there than the same position, but sort of uh, on the inside. edge of the area? Or mm. the edge of the area is a better attacking position. It's a better angle for a shot if you lose it. So I'm not sure there is there is that much risk. Yeah. And also because you've got the space, you've got far more time. You're in control of. He's running towards me. Now I'll hit it long. Other than the ball hasn't reached me yet, and he's running at yeah. me, and now I've got to get it under. And it I just feels see. like it's far more in your control what you're doing with it. I was just thinking then as well. Your number six or your number four, you know, comes in to collect it in the centre. Yeah. When we try that, sometimes, sometimes uh, they get trapped right in, don't they? And someone literally touch tight. Well, they can't form into the box. And so that play will have that little thing of how far are you going to trap me? You can actually go a few yards outside the box and look, is he waiting for me on the edge of the box? But he can't fall you in now. And that'll be interesting as well because I know certain players will happily come in with their back to them and receive it right in front of the keeper, won't they? Yeah. And then ping it out to the centre-back. So in a way, that'll give him... if he's, You have to be really confident on the ball, I know. But if we're going to say pro game, there'll be plenty of lads that can just go in there, yeah, take it three-yard pass off the keeper. If you've not got an organised press... If you're just trying to tell two strikers to sort that out now, they're going to be getting pulled over. They're not really going to know where they're meant to be going. And, you know, you've got it. We've got it a few times where teams start shouting at the strikers, why is he doing that? Why is he doing that? Why are you letting him get away with that? I think you're probably going to get quite a lot of that. Just thinking as well, in terms of pressing it, uh, the difference is if someone, the old rule, you'd often say your attacker cuts off the ball back to your keeper, send him that way. If someone's set about goes inside now, you'd be saying, no, run at him, send him inside, he's in the area. He's yeah. in a horrible place. So it'd be interesting to see how teams press that as well, wouldn't it? But on the whole, though, it seems to make sense to me because you, it makes sense you don't, how stupid was it before, like Stokes said before, mm. that you could do a goal kick and if you saw something wasn't on, step in your box, retake it. It feels like they've patched it, haven't they? It's like a game that, that had a problem, had a bug, and they've patched yeah. it. They've gone, this is going to be a problem. We'll try and sort that one out. There we yeah. go. There's your patch. Yeah. Happy to move on? Yeah. Handball. Uh, so this one, deliberate handball remains an offence. The following handball situations, even if accidental, will be a free kick. One, the ball goes into the goal after touching an attacking player's hand or arm. A player gains control possession of the ball after it has touched their hand or arm and then scores or creates an opportunity. The ball touches a player's hand or arm, which has made their which has made their body unnaturally bigger, and the ball touches a player's hand or arm when it's above their shoulder, unless the player has deliberately played the ball, which then touches their hand or arm. So what do we think about those? Just to touch on the the controversial one about making the body bigger. It goes back to what you were saying, I think, about when we did the podcast about referees and actually playing the game, if the referees have played the game before or not. You have to understand what a natural position is for a player to then say you're in an unnatural position to give a free kick and you're asking referees to make that decision. I think it's difficult. It is. I, I think some of the language, some of the fuzzy language around handball is problematic and it's it's driven me mad for a long time, especially when you'd always get people saying uh, it's not deliberate, but it's handball. 
It's like no, no, no. That is that is the that is the core of the rule. Is it deliberate? It's like if you've made yourself bigger, that is a deliberate action. That is why it's handball. Okay. It's like when people go, he's got to be booked for that. It's deliberate handball. He's done it deliberately. It's like all handball is deliberate. That is the point. But with the language, when they sort, they'll say an unnatural position, and I know they try and qualify it, but it's still quite fuzzy language. And even in the rule, I think at one point in the rule it says, uh, "This will not usually be a foul." It's like well. It is, or it, it sort of is, or it isn't. Yeah. Don't leave, try not to leave the doubt in there. But I think clarifying the idea that if your arm's above your shoulder, you should, just shouldn't have it up there. Yeah. So you can only, as a coach, you're looking at it, you're going, if your arm's up there and someone kicks the ball at it, I'm, I'm going to blame you for that. I think the tricky one is when your arms are down by your side. I mean, it says an unnatural position. The most unnatural position to be in if you're in the area and someone's about to dribble past you, is to have your hand, your hands behind your back. Yeah, that's a totally unnatural position to be in because you can't you can't move, you can't shift your weight properly. Yeah. It's so difficult, and I don't think we want that. I don't think we want a situation where, as a defender, you've got to put your hands behind your back as someone's about to run past you. It's I'm sick of seeing that. Yeah. I, hate I hate seeing defenders do it. It looks so stupid and unnatural, and it's just yeah, it seems ridiculous that they've got to that level now. There's an incident in the Champions League final where a defender is using his body to communicate with the rest of the defence and his arm is out because he's pointing towards where he wants someone to be and the ball strikes that arm. What did you make of that? I I made of that that it's a ridiculous thing to do in the area. Like You can't have your arm up there. You're in a wide position. The player who's on the ball is about to cross the ball. You can't have your arm up there. You just can't. Otherwise, everyone, why can't anyone just stand up there with their arms pointing at people? It's just, as a coach, I look at it and go, who would I blame for this? Would I be angry with the referee? Or would I take my player to one side and say, what are you doing with your hand up in the air for that long? And I think the problem the problem in that situation as well was, as the ball came in, it looked worse because he tries to get, it feels like he tries to get his arm down and he moves it towards the ball. Yeah. So it is problematic. I've seen on radio phones where they sometimes talk about the, the idea with this that, oh, they should just make it. If it touches the hand, full stop, it is a handball. But like you say, that would be so difficult because it, it's natural when you run. Just watch a 100-meter sprint race. Mm. Look at their arms. There's a reason for that. You use those arms to, to move. Um, and it just, yeah, you, you have to have some discretion, but there's no way of wording it that's ever going to be fully acceptable, everyone, you know. But one thing that does my head in at a grassroots level is the amount of uh, when someone's about to shoot or cross that they jump with their arms in the air yeah. and it hits their arm and they all shout back at us, oh, I didn't do it on purpose. It's like, if your hands are in the air, you've increased the probability the ball will hit it. It's just, <laughs> so yeah, that, that, as long as it does away with that, which it seems to, I think I'd be happy with this. Law 8, the kickoff. The team that wins the toss can now choose to take the kickoff or which goal to attack. Uh, before that, they could only choose which goal to attack. So now you can say, well, I'll kick off. I can see on that be it. Now the kickoffs are different and one player can just put it into the corner, like the Tottenham one we've seen and lots of other teams do now. Having the kickoff at the start of a game is maybe an advantage to get initiative in a game, momentum. So maybe it makes sense that if you won the toss, you probably deserve that choice, don't you? What yeah, do you guys so. think? Yeah, anything would be weather conditions, wouldn't it? And whether you might want to choose one half or the other. Mm. Anything else on that one? No, it's pretty simple. It just gives Makes you a little bit more choice, doesn't it, if you win the toss? Um, next one, me- medical breaks. Uh, this one is not really relevant to our level <coughs> or to our country, to be honest. It's to do, so I don't think we'll spend too long on it. It's to do with um, when it's really hot, 
giving players a set amount of time to have a what's known as a cooling break. And then there's another break, which is to do with a drinks break if the players need hy- rehydration. But I'm sure those two will overlap because if it's really hot, you're probably more needing hydration. It feels very much like someone might be thinking about a World Cup coming up somewhere very hot and that they might yeah. feel like they want to put something in there so that it doesn't become an absolute farce <laughs> and someone doesn't collapse. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that Is might, it hot there? That might it? be why it's in. That's World Cup. I've, I've heard, can get there. I think, yeah. I think it can get hot. Next one, penalty kicks. This one is, is very harsh on the goalkeepers, I think, but kind of needed whether they've gone too far. The goalkeeper must not be touching the goalpost, crossbars, nets. They must not be moving. Fine. This is the bit that gets me a bit. They must have at least one, uh, at least part of one foot on or in line with the goal line when the kick is taken. Cannot stand behind the line. So you just, we've seen goalkeepers that jump three yards ahead of the line and close the angle down. That's out of order. But now they're going to have to have a foot on that line till the very last, well, till the ball gets kicked. See, it's heavily weighting those penalties, which are already heavily in favour of the taker. Uh, it's giving them even more advantage over the goalkeeper. I can understand why they're doing it. What do you guys think of that one? Um, I think this is an interesting one because I think penalties is an area of the game where it's not actually refereed by laws. It's refereed yeah. by norms. Mm. So the laws of the game are irrelevant, really. Even though we've got VAR now, you have a look how many penalties get scored. They go to VAR. There's loads of people in the area, you know, from both teams constantly because nobody really cares about enforcing that law properly. Mm. So I think this is probably one way you'll end up with the same thing where even on VAR, I would imagine maybe for a couple of months they'll be strict on it, but then after that there'll be people still getting away with it because they just, they don't want the farce of having to take a penalty three, four times because the attacking team and the defending team are both breaking the laws. Running into the area before he's taking it. You yeah. know, yeah. where it's the norms that it's actually get, it gets refereed to what we think the norms are rather than what the actual laws are. <laughs> I do like this bit. I was reading that and it says they have to have one foot on or in line with the goal line. So, <laughs> so if you want, you could stand outside of the goal post on the goal line, you know, really kind of mind games and then try and somehow get past the post without leaving the line. <laughs> I think that presumably they mean vertically in line. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah does that one make sense to everyone are we all happy that one next one's this one actually does, does affect our grassroots game it sounds like a pretty innocuous one it's players equipment multicoloured stroke patterned undershirts are allowed if they're the same as the sleeve of the main shirt I don't think that's particularly relevant to things but it just reminded me of the fact that at grassroots level they followed the rules from the pro game where you're not allowed to have tape of a different colour on your socks for example or your underarm has to be the same colour as your shirt and they're now saying it has to be the same as your sleeve of your shirt sometimes you ever feel like these rules are there and the adhering so strictly to a rule don't have white tape on black socks and then other rules are kind of ignored like opponents telling the referee to F off or <laughs> things like that or fouling someone 20 times and not getting a card and you just think is this, is this something to focus on so that's what it made me think of when I saw that yeah, you might want to concentrate on different areas of your refereeing. So <laughs> that might be my point. I think it's just the, they're the easy ones to get right, aren't they? Yeah. So I suppose if the if you're doing a tick sheet as a referee of the things yeah. that you want to get right, I imagine if you're being assessed, that's an easy one to get a tick in the box, isn't it? Absolutely. So yeah, you, you made terrible decisions all game. <laughs> you alienated both yeah. teams, but their Under Armour yeah. was was perfect. One team did play and... with twelve players for half the game. There, you didn't realise. <laughs> Quick free kick and cards. I quite like this one. So if the referee was about to give a yellow or red card, um, but the non-offending team want to take the free kick really quickly, 
uh, to create a goal scoring opportunity. The car can be delayed. I really like that. I love that idea that it's in the hands of the team that have been the victim of a foul. You can say, no, we're attacking fast. Will the referee remember and be able to manage that? It might be difficult because it could go on for a bit, couldn't it, the play? And then he might have to, will it soften his opinion or will it strengthen his decision making? He might have had a chance to think about it and go, actually, for example, pull the shirt, you carry on, you score. Does the referee at grassroots level still book the guy? Well, he's conceded a goal. He conceded a goal, that's enough. I can see some thinking of that mm-hmm. way. If you don't score, then you're getting booked, aren't you? <laughs> Uh, any thoughts on that one? I quite like it personally. Uh, yeah, like you're saying there, you know, if if a referee can not pull a booking out, if they can let the game go and not pull a booking out, think at the at the grassroots level, uh, a lot of the time they will let it go and not give the booking. Although to be fair, there's quite a lot of professional referees that are the same. When you watch a game and you think, that's a definite booking, so he's going to come back to that. And then the referee's like, I think it's... About a minute's gone since that happened, so I think everyone's forgotten about that. So I won't, I won't do it. But I think what, probably what you see with this is there isn't that many opportunities for for it to be a benefit because, again, the norms of the game are someone will come over and stand in front of the ball, mm. or they'll kick the ball away, and it. That's one thing that really doesn't get stamped down on much, does it? If yeah, if you're not blatant about it and kick the ball 40 yards uh, and you just stand on it or tap it there's very few referees that, that book people nowadays for that there is I mean, it's like you say with behaviours though it is actually an offence if you, you want to take it quickly it hits them they should be getting booked which I suppose now you could hit you could take the free kick could hit them you could then carry on from the replay and, um, from the ball rebound and then you'd have two people to book <laughs> the referee has to come back to. And I do like the idea because how many times we find as, 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 as coaches that try to get our players to knock that ball around, play attacking football, and then a team that keeps fouling and disrupting the play. And how many times on TV you see that? Are those cynical? And they almost know, I'll take the booking just to disrupt the rhythm and the referee's got to get it out, write it all down. I do like that side of it, that the team can just put the ball down and try and play straight away. Yeah. That's quite a nice thought. Yeah. Down to our last two. Law three, substitutes. This is another one I personally can see why they're doing it, but we, we all know that we'll try and abuse it. A player who's being substituted must leave the field by the nearest point on the touchline, goal line, unless the referee indicates they can leave quickly immediately at the halfway line. So basically, the, those situations where you bring your right winger off because he's on the far side of the pitch and he can then walk across slowly to kill some more time if that's what you want, that should now not be happening what are our thoughts on that it's a good rule again it speeds up the the process of making a substitution so hopefully again we get more game time in there so the players now are going to stand as close to the central of the pitch as possible exactly (laughs) absolutely and with the back to whatever the substitute (laughs) board is (laughs) yeah Stu I think uh, yeah, it's it's just again, it's one of those things they're trying to patch and trying to improve it, aren't they? Yeah. I think at our level, I think at amateur level and grassroots level, it makes a lot of sense. Stops a bit of time wasting, which is sensible. I think one of the issues you probably do get, especially at professional level, is you're then telling players to come off the pitch, say halfway line opposite the dugout, and they're then walking around the yeah. fringes of the pitch where the opposition fans are. So you're more likely to get another sort of Eric Cantona sort of incident where people are being, they're walking around three sides of the stadium. So the chances of you walking past, you know, your opposition ultras is increased. 
And yeah. it's a very good point because bringing yeah. them off near your technical yeah. area is almost a safe zone, isn't it? Yeah. And I think maybe, you know, in certain hostile environments as well, you've seen, you know, like uh, super classicos and stuff like that, where it's really, it gets uh, quite hot and hostile. Maybe that there'll be a few flare points and that's a bit of a problem. Maybe that's something where the, the referee makes an exception. I don't know. Yeah. I can see that being a problem at some point. I think with all these ones, and I'll probably come to it in a second, it's, it's, it's the whole argument that the clock being stopped again would take the whole thing away. Mm. You know, it's 87 minutes. Stop on 87 then. Injury time for injuries, injury time for lots of other things. But for that and for VAR, VAR decisions, definitely. But for this, it could get rid of that problem, wouldn't it? If you just said the clock stops, so you're not wasting anyone's time. You're disrupting the rhythm slightly, mm. so it does. It does. Yeah, I think you're right. The way you describe it as a patch to the thing, we'll see if it if it works. I've got one more here, guys. Team officials, this is this is worrying me. This one. Laws five twelve. A team official, member of the coaching staff, guilty of misconduct, will be shown a yellow card or a red card. Sending off if the offender cannot be identified. The senior coach who's in the technical area <laughs> time will receive the card. What are you worried about? So I'm worried. I don't want to give any names away, but one of the people I'm sat with, um, Stuart, <laughs> he sometimes get quite vociferous on the sideline, and I can see. I, I can't imagine how anyone though would not know it's coming from your mouth. <laughs> they must be able to see it's coming from you, you know. Uh, yeah, so you just know I'm going to take a red this year because <laughs> you're going on. No, I, 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 it's quite good in a way, isn't it? This one because as coaches, if you're the head coach you're going to have to get your lads in order yeah. and it will happen at some point someone will be a coach will be sent off and they're going to be full of rage at that point for whoever made it happen yeah. can I ask a question on this one you're a player coach if you're already on a booking oh a player coach that's interesting isn't it if yeah. you're already on a booking and then someone says something on the side do you get the second booking and get sent off very interesting play, very interesting question so yeah the player will be sent off as well that might be a, a little glitch there might it Maybe as assistant manager, then I would take the rap for the other coaching staff yeah. on the sideline. Yeah, maybe it is that whoever's the lead official on the sideline. That's interesting. Um, so, but yeah, I can see why they're doing that. Makes them take ownership and accountability, I suppose, for their team, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's good. So that's all the rule changes uh, in the whole. Overall, from all those guys, which would you say is the rule you are most behind and, uh, and agree with and thinks it a good thing for football? Is there one you can pick out? I'm happy to start because I've thrown that on you. Yeah, I, I quite on. like the goal kick one. Um, just a slight added thing because we like to play out from the back a lot. So it'll just be, not just because I think it's a good idea, just because as coaches it's going to challenge us to find ways to make it work as a pressing team and as playing out from the back as well. So for me, I do quite like that. It was a daft rule that we didn't have it already. You can go in now, get the ball. It'd be just interesting. It'll add some more flavour to playing out from the back. Uh, you can you can go with the same one, guys, or have you got any other ones you think? I wouldn't say it was the the best for football, or because I think they're all sort of just tweaking little bits that need sorting. I think it's the one that's probably going to have the most impact, though, isn't it? It's probably the one mm. that will change the way teams play and will change the way the game is currently played at the moment. It's got an impact if you play the ball out. It's got an impact mm. if you want to try and set up a press. So, yeah, yeah I think it's definitely the one that's going to have the most impact on the way football's played in the next couple of years, I think. Yeah. I think the other one I like is just clearing up the handball rule for goals conceded. Mm. I think that's nice. It makes it very black and white. If there's goals conceded and it's touched your arm, it's not a goal. Yeah. I, I think the interesting thing about that, I didn't mention it when we were going through, but I remember the law says, uh, so if it hits your hand and it leads to a goal or a chance to set up a goal, and then you always get that thing of like, well, how far back are we talking? 
how far back in the move where it hits someone's hand and they score a goal. So I presume they mean if it's like the pass before the pass or the mm-hmm. assist. Presumably not. It's you've kicked it against someone's hand from two foot, but you've done it like thirty passes ago. Theory though, you know, it's handball went to a goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky, isn't it? It certainly is. There's, there's lots of laws there to take in though, and what we'll probably try and do is we'll probably try and revisit this um, when the laws have come into place and to see how the teams are using them at grassroots level. We'd love to know your experiences with these new rules and your opinions, and we'll watch how the grass uh, the pro game reacts to it as well. In previous podcasts, we've talked about sin bins, which are getting brought into many grassroots leagues uh, from next season. We've talked about rolling subs already used. At many levels but not at the pro level and we've talked about ways we could change rules to deal with simulation so it's been a bit of a recurring theme in our in our podcast so do check those ones those out as well if you can on that note um this free podcast you can you can download it you can follow and like us on uh, the social media channels uh, via podbean and itunes like i say it's completely free the download you can go on our website and access it there uh, we want you to be able to interact with the the stuff we're talking about and let us know your opinions as coaches you can do that on the social media comments you, you can comment uh, on all those platforms i was told you about and so we'd love you to get involved uh, our forum site as well we'll have that opportunity once you subscribe for free you can get involved and and talk about it and we'll make forum topics on this as well so thank you very much for listening hope you found it interesting uh we're looking forward to the next time we get to chat with you thanks for listening and uh we'll speak to you again soon